All right, this is the Farm Hop Life Men's Forum. Uh, I got a couple of people saying that they're going to be late. I am Matt of Farm Hop Life. And instead of doing current events, um, we're going to do personal events. So I just today uh, met a guy through uh, Montana FarmLink program. It's like a website where land seekers can meet up with uh, land owners, see what they want to do with the property. Um, and since we're going to be leaving, I wanted somebody to be here, take care of the property, um, make kind of make it their own, you know, plant trees, plant fruit, vegetables, have chickens, all the stuff. And so this guy, I mean, I have a, it's like a free ad you can put up on the website. I had it up for maybe a week and this guy reached out to me and uh, said, Hey, sounds cool. Um, let's let's chat. And so I said, yep. So I talked to him last week, I think sometime. And so he, he was here today. We talked for an hour and plus and, and, and yeah, we really hit it off. Um, he's super excited about it. Uh, we're super excited about it. I think we got a little few little details to, to hash out still. And We'll figure out how we go, I guess. Um, he's moving to the Missoula area from somewhere in Idaho. I'm not sure if he wants me to say. And he's bringing his family with him. They'd like to... They, the housing's so ridiculous in Missoula that uh, even through like the help of like VA and VA HUD and all these other programs or whatever he said, they still like they're have, having difficulty finding him a house that they might put him and his family up in a hotel until housing becomes available. Um, it probably won't probably won't become available ever because housing's that crazy around here. So one of the things that in, uh, he liked about my place and I, I don't know how it, how it came, came off, but he's got this, this school bus that he gutted that right now he's using for storage, but the long-term goal is to renovate it and that he and his family can live in it. And I'm like, dude, that's super cool. Cause we're kind of going to be doing the same thing, living in, living in a travel trailer. And I'm like, okay. So when he came over, I showed him like, here's, here's where you could park your bus to work on it and whatnot. And, you know, walked him all around the property. Here's, Here's all the stuff. Um, here's what I was going to do with it. Not sure what you want to do with it. This is kind of like your thing now. Um, if, if you want it. Um, and so he's, he's pretty pumped. His, uh, he, it was between me and one other landowner and the other landowner wanted him to be like, all right, like, let's, let's see your business plan. Um, all these things. Cause if you're going to be here, you're, you're going to do it for business and whatnot. And I, I didn't have, if he wants to have a business here doing like, you know, selling extra produce, chicken, sheep, whatever. That's cool. I want him to be successful. I want him to be making money. Uh, if that's what, uh, if that's his choice, but his, First and primary choice is to produce food for himself and his family, which is a good, pretty good goal. Um, I think starting out, not, not, you know, setting setting a goal that's attainable makes a lot of sense. And he goes, you know, maybe down the line, I do business stuff. And so that's what that's what uh, I, I was more laid back in that in that regard than the other lady that he was looking at. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited that that, that might be a thing. He would also, he would also be cleaning the Airbnb, he and his, he and his family. I'm like, we can like, we'll, we'll work out some sort of compensation. Like we want you to like it here. And so there's, there's a, like the, the three things that intrigued him about, about our property is that he could work on his bus here so that he and his family can live in it. He can grow food here and he can make money 
by cleaning our Airbnb after guests leave. Those were, um, those were three things that intrigued him. And he, I don't know, we just, we just connected on like a lot of levels. Um, like personally, po- like uh, we didn't really get into politics and I'm glad about that. Cause we really didn't need to, we didn't need to like go down that, go down that road right away. But uh, you know, the way, the way we think about things like he, like his wife stays at home and he works and she, they're, they're homeschooling their kids and we're going to be homeschooling our kids. Um, just wants to, like, we, we were talking about like permaculture and uh, Mark Shepard and Masibo Fukunoa. I, I totally butchered that name um, and apologize, but um, yeah, just all these, all these, obviously Joel Salatin came up a couple of times all these different names in, in permaculture space that, um, that we both, both recognize. And, you know, he's what things that he's learned, things that he wants to try. One thing that was specific was wanting to, what is it? Like key line design where you, um, contour, <clears throat> excuse me, contour the property so that water stays on the property and doesn't doesn't leave the property which is super helpful here uh, it is a little bit arid like it's it's drier here and water can be hard to come by especially in the summer just gets so dang dry like you'll have like like if you don't have good ground cover you get cracks in the dirt pretty bad that uh i mean it's just just water just runs right in it's like the ground didn't even didn't even get wet so all right we've got josiah young how's it going man good how are you doing good i was going solo for a while there that's and I, I don't think i did too bad so well, we'll sorry we'll see i it... uh we decided to wean the baby goats tonight so i was chasing baby goats around so <laughs> how was that not fun not fun. No, I just feel like a jerk taking them away from their moms. I want the milk, but I still sure. feel like a jerk. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a mama. You're a mama. You're like very maternal in that sense. Like, don't take my babies. Yeah, they they screamed for a little bit, but they all seem to calm down. So good. It was time. Uh, so we're I, I I'm changing the format a little bit. Because I don't watch the news, so it doesn't make sense to do current events, and I don't feel like talking about it anyways. So we're going to do personal events instead. And I just uh, explained for the last uh, seven minutes uh, about how I had a guy come on the property that's going to, like, I met him tonight. Uh, it's going to take over when when we leave this place and, like, manage it, do permaculture stuff. And, yeah, so that's what I talked about. So, like, what's... What's uh in the last week? What's a personal event for you? We had to um, we had to drive to a wedding yesterday that normally would have cost well a lot less, and we would have made a weekend of it. But instead, it was uh, I think it ended up being one hundred and sixty bucks in gas. Um. So yeah, that was uh that was my personal my personal event. Well, and I milled, I milled up some wood. I, I kind of, oh, for nice. the first time, managed to get some, the mill, the mill running. So, so yeah. You like it? Yeah. No, it's, it um, you know, there, there's enough of a learning curve as far as, you know, getting the feel of it and, you know, kind of getting a you know, routine down for how to handle the wood and all that stuff. But it was pretty fun. It was pretty cool to, uh, to take what would have been a pretty useless cedar for me. Um, yeah. and I turned it into a four by four. So I did see that. Yeah. That was yeah. good. So that's what's going on here. And of course, cool. like I said, weaning off the goats, we have a, a cream separator due tomorrow. So we're going to try. Um, I've very mixed reviews on um, cream separators in general for goat milk. Hmm. But we're going to give it a whirl. We're going to see about, you know, actually making decent quantities of butter and um, ice cream and whatnot. So. Goat What's ice going cream. On? Goat milk ice cream. That's cool. I got a I got a question about goats. Um, I guess it was 
I guess this could also be related about sheep too. When you, when you like, I'm assuming you castrate your male goats, some of them anyways. Yeah. Do you band them or do you like slit the sack in like, like the micro method and bite the testicles and uh, pull them out? You know, I've, I've actually heard that it's easier on the, on the animal to, to cut them out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any experience with that though. I, so I have a little bit of experience with sheep. Um, we used mm-hmm. to help shear and then we would help, um, band and tag sheep for a friend. So I, I won't say that I grew up banding because that would be a lie. I did it for two or three years. Um, but I have experience banding. Um, okay. so that's what we did with the goats and okay. we've only had to band, um, two of them. We've actually been able to find buyers for um, them as bucklings as opposed oh. to weathers. So nice. It makes it makes my life easier. So I'm I'm okay with it. But but yeah, yeah. we banned. So okay, I was just curious. Is it is it just a is it just a uh, sorry? I was reading a comment. Is it an experience thing that you banned over, over, uh, I guess, removing the testes? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was just, it was what I was comfortable with. And I knew the first time we banded, um, it was for somebody. Like the first time that we did it with our goats, they wanted a weather. And mm. I wasn't comfortable doing all of that for a goat that I wasn't going to keep myself to make sure that it was something that, that I knew what I was doing. And I don't want to leave the guy with, you know, one, one testy or, you know, be hurt, you know, when I sold him. So we just, we banded it. Sure. I was what I, you know, so other than that, I mean, I, like, you can I'm not still miss, you can still miss a nut. Um, you can do either way, you? actually, either way, actually yeah. you can. So yeah. there's nothing surefire. Um, I know when I, when I did it as a kid, there were two or three, I, I do distinctly remember that, um, got down to just the the only lonely ball we got we got one or two so they actually did do some 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 knocking up um that way but but yeah overall it it was more just a matter i i'm a little more confident in it i think long term i wouldn't be opposed to to cutting them out but not right now anyways it's easier to get the wife on board to ban them anyways (laughs) (laughs) you don't know what it's like how uncomfortable that is dear like this is just you know they don't. They don't band males like uh, yeah, male like, humans. Like that'd be awful. They get it makes it makes you hurt. It makes me hurt. Yeah. So. Yeah. No kidding. Um. So, uh, long story is going to be late. He said, "He's always late, but that's fine. We love him anyways." Let's uh, let's get into this topic. This is, I wanted. I wanted. I wanted. Blah, 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 blah. I wanted long story here because this was his his idea all we did was talk about the ethics last time here he is jeffrey guys are you are you here to screw up the live stream again yeah hopefully oh no it's started uh, um, already uh, we'll see i'm not sure how the how the uh, connection will work so let me know yep i think i can hear you okay yeah um <laughs> jeez man Oh, that's so funny. Uh, so really, I'm going to turn off the. Uh, I'm going to turn off the camera. That okay. Um, we we were just going over some personal events really quick. Uh, I think you said you you met a mutual this weekend, and I think I know who it is. How'd that go? Uh, it was cool, man. I just didn't um didn't have enough time to really hang out. Um, but uh. You know, we had talked about some stuff when he was here that I was doing. Uh, he came down to visit, and uh, I was able to arrange to get him a couple of hoop house frames. So um, took those up to him. He gave me some tomato plants, took a little pork to him, hung out for a little bit, and then um, had to get back on the road. But, oh, yeah, sure. uh, pretty nice. Yeah, it's it's great cool, to turn these turn these relationships into something more meaningful than just an occasional interaction online for sure. No, I agree, hundred yeah, percent. Awesome. Nice. So, um, this is this is your little uh, this is your idea. 
Okay. So, <laughs> well, I, I I say that because you said there are a lot of vegan voices out there that are constantly attacking, and yeah, um, you didn't quite get to say your piece last time. Uh, you uh-huh. uh, just because of just the just the time. Is there anything you want to start out with? I've got. Uh, I've got Lauren's tweet screenshotted that I can share. Um, yeah. If we want to, if we want to go down that route. Yeah. And, I, and I've posted similar tweets in the past because um, it's definitely something that uh, I, I feel strongly about. I've traveled, I've traveled quite a lot. I've eaten food in lots of traditional cuisines um, from, you know, all over Latin America, um, India and other places. And uh it's very true. You know, you just don't find vegan anywhere. Um, and, and much less over generations that it's been shown to sustain, you know, conception, gestation and lactation in adult females, you know? Sure. So. No, that, that makes sense. Let's, let's get into this juicy, juicy tweet. How's it going guy? Guy, guy Alaska is here with us. Good. How's it going, guys? Good. I'll try not to dox you this time. Oh, that's uh, all so... right. Nobody's coming out here anyway. <laughs> so here's here's the tweet that blew up in Lauren's face. It's not like blew up bad, but uh, for for people listening on the audio, she wrote uh, at it's at Lauren in the Wild. For those that don't know, uh, the fact that there are zero indigenous groups on the planet diet tells me that veganism is a modern socio-political movement based on the first world privileges of industrial agriculture and access to grocery stores i'll die on this hill uh and that uh was really wild the fallout on on that uh i was messaging her a little bit today about it and she's like yeah uh i didn't really care for all that attention (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I shut it down because I was starting to get mad. And I'm like, I do not blame you at all. Uh, I had no idea this would happen. Decided to close it. Just close it. Uh, 400 plus notifications every day is a little bit more than I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 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 too much. Well, I, I posted a picture of a calf that was born back in November. And someone asked and I thought it was in good faith, you know, what are your plans for the calf? And I said, well, you know, about two years, you know, it'll, it'll become food. Man, they just uh, pounced. I mean, it, it got really vicious. And like they, they're, the problem I have with a lot of those voices is that they're very, very like dogmatic and uh, they can't, you know, they can't make room for, for another view it's it's just so completely in their view uh obviously a moral choice that you've made an immoral choice that you've made <clears throat> and um I, I just have a real hard time with that dogmatic nature of their discourse agreed um i i wrote in as a response a little bit as a response uh i said discussion can't be done when one party is looking to be right with that gotcha instead of looking to learn like they're not looking to learn they just want to like like in your case uh long story like they asked you like as bait like you got baited dude and like (laughs) you you, like you you they got you and they just let you have it uh they're they're so-called like principles and morals in whatever they, whatever they think they want to think. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm, I better not, I better let uh, Josiah and guy talk, but um, <clears throat> I just felt like, I felt like it was a problem because if you, you know, if someone said, Hey, I acknowledge there's limitations on B12. I acknowledge there's limitations uh, in terms of how long this has been practiced and what's been proven but I think it's worth it morally to figure out if we can make this happen. I'm, I totally respect that position. There's some really like long-term uh, high profile vegans that have taken that position. So I, I, I wish I could find more people like that to dialogue with, because I think that's a worthwhile conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, going going on that tweet, I I guess for me, and and I mean, some of it comes back to the dogma thing, but you know, just because it's never been done doesn't necessarily make it bad. But in this case, there are a bunch of studies um, that show that that it's a deficiency. For sure, it's a lot harder to get everything you need um, if you're fully vegan, and um, and it does rely on things that wouldn't have been possible not that long ago from a from a historical perspective. So I, I think overall, I think I mean it's it's a it's a good argument to make. And from the dogma standpoint, I, I think um, you know again if you if if you can have the discussion and say well if we could figure out a way to do it, you know then it's it, it maybe it is maybe it's not. Um, I think that's that's why those animals exist um i i think it you can kind of even liken that to uh to trophy hunting um in africa the animals you know i'm not i'm not saying that the cafo you know that that how we treat some of the animals in industrial in industrial farming is a good thing but you know when someone like you is is raising pork you um the pigs have a purpose and without that purpose um they're not going to be kept alive they're not going to be kept for any reason, you know, and that's exactly what happened in Africa with the trophy hunting. If, if there's no reason for the villagers to keep elephants and lions around, right. Then they don't keep the habitat and then the elephants and the lions die. And so I don't, I don't think it's any different now, you know, if, if, or what happened with horses? I mean, there's way fewer horses now because we don't need horses anymore. You know, is there really a, a huge difference between getting a use out of them and letting them live and serve that purpose, you know, or not? Yes, I'm eating them, but I'm giving them a good life up until that point, and then my purpose for them is fulfilled. They're an animal, so. Yeah. yeah. So, I just, I'm going to take myself off mute a minute here. <clears throat> I, mm-hmm. I got kids in the background, so. Um, yeah, my big question with all of that for for a lot of these folks who are vegan and are taking veganism as a moral stance is you know it, it comes back to you know we're we're creatures too you know whatever your your faith tradition is you know we're creatures too and and we eat too and i think that to 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 take a moral position on it um i don't know it it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because at, at any point that you're I don't know. I bet all, all I'm trying to do is when I'm when I'm talking to these guys, I just want to find out what foundation they're arguing from. You right. know what I mean? If you want to take a moral position, that's fine, but they can never point to a a real foundation. They just say we are uh, obligated to not eat animals because we're whatever higher forms, or I mean, some will say even you know high, more highly evolved, which is just ridiculous because you can, if you're using evolution path, and that's a lot of them won't talk about evolution because if you want to talk evolution or biologically adapted or quote unquote evolved to eat meat or at least be omnivorous um, and you could even argue that there's yeah. indigenous groups out there that are quote unquote evolved or adapted to only eat meat or to make that 90% of their diet go up, go up in the arctic circle and, and find out how much vegetables and grains they eat up there so, yeah, it's the big the big question for me is always where's your foundation? And that's the one one answer you can never get is what foundation are you arguing from? If you have a religion, if you have a uh, a certain code of ethics that you you've developed through reason, uh, fine. Let's let's start there together so that we can we can have a I guess an, an intelligent discussion. But we can never we can never actually find a real foundation, and that comes back to the whole you know, where, where they're just dogmatic about it and, and dogma's fine, but you gotta, you gotta have something to back it up with. I mean, if you're dogma on shifting sands, that's, that's problematic. That's true. Cause I think the common, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but for like carnivore at least and like omnivore, the, the foundation for that is that it's ancestral. We've always 
you know, had a multi, like a balanced diet, right? Like, you know, meats, grains, blah, blah, blah. I guess not always grains, but you know, cause that's the, its own thing, but you know, a wide variety of food that includes meat. Whereas the foundation for veganism or whatever is constantly changing. Um, one of the, uh, one of the things I've heard before from a friend of mine is he's, his case is that top performing athletes have vegetarian or vegan diets. Um, I, I did not look up if that's actually true. Um, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless. And I'm wondering how, you know, we, we're all about sustainable agriculture here, but what about sustainable health, right? Is, is a vegetarian or vegan diet sustainable? Uh, I guess a lot of people would argue that it is, but I, I'd assume that you need, it's very supplemented. Um, well, I think, I think there's a couple of things I, 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 I want to be careful and I, I don't know what your, you know, everyone's position is, but I, I want to be careful not to create a caricature of, of vegans arguments, because I think that would be, I, mean, I wouldn't want them doing that to me, you know? And so, um, you want to be careful about that. But I do think that one of the big challenges is that we don't really understand, you know, I'm not a transhumanist. We don't really understand the full potential because we don't know what the optimal diet is exactly, but we know what we evolved to become uh, big brained bipedal creatures that are at the top of the food chain. And so we're going to stick with that. You know I mean? We're, we don't, there might be some things we could tweak, but it's going to be around the edges. You know, it's going to be maybe optimizing certain ratios of, you know, one I'm big on is like potassium and sodium or omega six, omega three. Um, you know, I think it's going to be tinkering around the edges. It's going to be, you know, jo- avoiding modern things like, you know, polyunsaturated fats and things like that, but it's not going to be, um, being, you know, eating bananas and cashews and kale for your main sustenance. The... I mean, one of the other things, uh, um, things that uh, one of the things that's really important to me is local, right? So I'd much rather have something local than um, even organic or whatever. You know, what I mean, like I would compromise on other things to keep something local. Veganism could probably be practiced locally year round within about 10 degrees of the equator, maybe, maybe a little more, but it, it's not something you be, could, could be done year round in very many climates in the world. Um, so, you know, that there's a problem because you, I think the carrying capacity of the, of the earth um, for local food would be a much, much smaller population, you know, and that's another question, you know, Speaking of the moral foundations of your argument, right? What is the moral foundation of that argument? And the other thing that came to mind was I watched the animals on the farm. This is something I've learned very much recently. Um, Their existence is a competition for resources. And if you have not understood that that's what your life is dedicated to psychologically, even if you evolutionarily or whatever, uh, even though you think of yourself as a rational creature, (laughs) wait till you're hungry and see what happens, you know? Um, Absolutely. So a couple of things that have come to mind, just listen to Guy and you talk, Matt. I think on the, on the athlete point, I think it's, it's obviously, obviously any, you can go vegan, you can be full vegan and, and you can even do it without a performance loss. There are, there are athletes that do it. Um, the notes are obviously is that you you have these people there, um, you know when you're when you're competing at that high level you're going to be having dietitians and the medical to to know what you need exactly um, to be eating to perform at that level versus an average person um, you know history is is rife with examples of people that didn't eat what they needed to eat and they suffered for it. You know, um, scurvy, um, is, is one right off the top of my head. I think, um, what is it? Gout that you, you need iodine. Um, 
don't remember. I think that's what that's what Ben Franklin had. I I think and and but iodine um, short insufficiencies can cause those. And so a lot of times, I mean, so the average person they're not going to understand. They're not going to understand. They're not going to know. They may not even know that they're having an insufficient level of something in their in sure. their diet. So I think I think with those things, like you can get away with that if you're, um, you know, if you're a high a high performing athlete, um, that you may not otherwise be able to do as, as an average person so sure and those guys just and women obviously um just beat the crap out of their bodies i mean it's just like such such a huge abuse it seems like it would be more difficult to do it as a vegetarian or vegan than um to just like eat meat like you know the stereotypical like bodybuilder diet of like chicken breast like skinless chicken breast with broccoli or something you know what i mean like isn't that like a stereotypical like weightlifter diet you know like i i, I would just kind of yeah brown rice brown rice broccoli and skinless chicken breast yeah just bland <laughs> like you don't even get well, salt and pepper I, with it or something i, I kind of wonder you know when people talk about high performing athletes being able to be vegans i wonder if they're basically capitalizing on the stores that their body has built up in their youth probably before they became vegan um and then they're able to you know like josiah said they're able to get by because they're they're you know um in great shape and all those kind of things but ultimately they're depleting those stores of nutrients or whatever it is in our bodies that makes us uh perform at a high level and what came what i thought of was uh there was a a a person i think it was a, a teenager in in Great Britain that had eaten only like McDonald's fries or something for 17 years. I can't remember the exact story, but basically they came to a point where her body started shutting down because it just didn't get Ooh. enough nutrients. That sounds awful. And, Yuck. Yeah, it's gross. Well, there's, yeah, but there's like, what I'm saying is like, you know, you're, you're kind of, you come into the world with a certain, uh, you know, a certain endowment from your, from your parents in terms of genetics and, and stuff like that, you know, mother's milk and all those things. If your if your development years go well, then you're, you're co- you might be able to coast for a year or two. You might be able to stand a, a little less nutrient rich diet. Of course, maybe they're also commu- consuming so many calories they get enough nutrients just because they're they're working so hard. They just consume a lot more calories than the average person could without, you know, <clears throat> putting on two hundred pounds. Well, that'd be know, the other thing from. From a cost perspective, I would wonder like what it costs for them to get everything that they need from those sources from from as as being a vegan, and if that's doable for the average person too, you know, not only to not to not know what you're missing, but for that to get all of those replacement, you know, nutrients. Yeah, talk about privilege. Talk about no, well, diet yeah, I mean, privilege. ultimately, yeah, you know, and and the other thing with those high performing is is that i i would also i i think the thing that would make me the most curious is do they you know if they if they went back and forth what's what's the um what's the performance difference between being vegan for a year and and eating for a year it are they are they a top performing athlete because of their diet or or in spite of it or you know because they're genetically predisposed to be a top performing athlete that's a good question Um, guy, did you have something to say? Nope. Sorry. I, I missed the question though. Uh, we were just still talking about the, about athletes. Um, uh, I've got a comment if, uh, if you've, uh, if you don't have one, I think you froze. Yeah. It went all, all right. It went all beep, beep, boop, boop, but now I can hear you. <laughs> All right. Did you did you have something to add on the athletes? Uh, no, I guess my big question is back to the original claim that they're top performing athletes that are vegan. I was just curious. I mean, what, what did they mean by that? That all top performing athletes are vegan or that the athletes who are performing at the top in each athletic field are vegan or there's going to be some athletes who are vegan who also perform at a high level. I don't, you know, I don't know. And, and how long have they been doing yeah. that? There's just a lot of questions. 
Yeah, like Josiah said, are they are they uh, in spite of their diet? And Christopher's comment here, uh, he's he's basically validating what we said about the first few years. You can you can coast, but then your body starts to catch up with you because it's saying, "Hey, I'm not getting enough of those micronutrients or whatever it is that I would get if I was eating egg yolks and beef or whatever." Right. And uh, just for everyone else, uh, the comment Christopher's has is he said, "I did a vegan diet for five years, and the first three years I coasted. The last two were a wreck." had to go back to omnivore and it still didn't help. So I wonder, wonder what the kind of like permanent damage almost, I mean, maybe not permanent, but you know, longer lasting damage. Um, well, I, I think the other thing is that your, your body may be depleted in such a, to such a degree that you need a, essentially a, a clinical dose of some of those nutrients to recover as opposed to a, you know, a daily dietary, you know, intake you can almost need like a therapeutic dose instead of just a, some sort of subclinical amount of whatever vitamin or whatever you're missing, you know, amino acid or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I've got a, I've got another comment here from Christopher that he had earlier. He said, today I learned about Brian liver King Johnson and his ancestral lifestyle. He consumes many animal organs, mostly raw and looks amazing. Totally ripped. He does a workout called a barbarian, 75 pounds of kettlebells, 75 pound backpack, 125 pound sled, 40 pound leg weights, 20 pound wrist weights, and walk one mile. I wonder if he does that all at once. That'd be, that'd be kind of intense. Yeah. I'm going to have to look, I'm going to look up this Brian Liver King Johnson. That guy sounds crazy. But um, that you always like the, the carnivore bros always like to rip on the uh, soy boys being like, look at this dude who's like 55 and, you know, only eats raw meat or whatever. And this guy is, you know, 10 years younger, been vegan for 20 and, you know, he's like halfway dead or something. He's like, he looks like terrible. Like that's, that's like a common, um, it's, it's not apples to apples. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's a fair comparison. Like if we're going to be realistic about what we're arguing about in like in terms of physical fitness, you need to take top performing athlete, top performing mm -hmm. athlete, like, um, or even just, and also just like regular people too. Like it doesn't need to be like so extreme either. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, since we've moved to the farm, we started consuming more products from the farm. I definitely see a difference. I mean, we're, we're omnivores. We're not, we're not carnivores, but we're eating, um, you know, we're eating a lot more, um, eggs, a lot more, uh, pork and beef. Um, and, uh, it, it's made, I think it's made a difference in, in the health of everyone in the family since we've started doing more from the farm. It probably has a lot of benefits, uh, not just, you know, eating the food that you produce, but also like a mental thing, like the mind and the body connected. Yeah, I think so. You know, one of the things I, I wish I um, kept a bibliography of this stuff, but um, I came across um, an article about a study that had been done where um, I think it was, you know, it was inadvertent, but I, I, I if I remember correctly, they'd given um, some some infants um, a, a formula with a lot more of some sort of soy in it or something than it was supposed to have or something like that. And it had big impacts on on things as basic as like sexuality and things like that. And I'm not I'm not here to talk about that. I, I don't want to. Sure. I, I mean, if you guys don't want to talk about it, I certainly don't. <laughs> but the, you'll be attacked the, regardless. So just go. Ahead. Uh, yeah. And so I, I just want to say what I'm prefaced with, you know, I mean this in the most compassionate way. I, I feel like I've, I've met, I mentioned on Twitter the other day that I felt like we were destroying the human genome inadvertently right now. And, you know, I, I worry about microplastics maybe more than other people. I worry about electromagnetic um, uh, pollution more than some other people, but more than that, I worry about this nutrition and, you know, if we're feeding ourselves polyunsaturated fats, we're feeding ourselves some of these grains that can only be produced and the quantities we're consuming them in with high investment in, you know, petroleum-based fuels and things like that. Um, 
there's just a lot of things that aren't ancestral about any of that. And that, you know, when you think about the, you know, people that, that build up toxicity to something because they, they eat it every day, even though it's not toxic in small amounts, eat it every day and it becomes toxic. You know, what are we doing to ourselves? Why is fertility dropping so precipitously among, especially among men? Like, what are we doing to our genome? Um, it, it worries me a lot. I mean, you know, you think in 2050, it may be nearly impossible to conceive naturally is what some of the predictions are right now. That's, That's scary. Wild. Yeah. And I, I think to kind of piggyback on that, I think when you, when you have these new things, I mean, I was previously, you know, just because it's traditional doesn't mean it's right. But on the flip side to that is we've jumped whole hog into a bunch of these changes um, without knowing what they do either. So the, the advantage to sticking with something uh, ancestral or traditional is at least you're not going to get anything worse, um, you know, and maybe you, maybe you find something better if you switch. But, you know, we historically speaking, again, you have all of these instances where people didn't understand. I mean, we had lead in the water pipes. Um, we had people that didn't understand that eating fruit wasn't bad for you. Um, you know, all these different all these different cases where um, we, we misunderstood what we were doing to ourselves. And asbestos would be another good, like we, we didn't know, we didn't know. And then it turned out to be a disaster. Right. And so again, whether you, you know, these microplastics or, or the vegan diet or any of these other things, the, the concern for me, and, and it sounds like for you as well, is that you, you have these effects that we don't know and whether, you know, whatever the reason is for the fertility or, you know, all these other different things that, that, that can be popping up these these changes have all happened in the last 50 60 70 years and i don't i don't know which one of them is causing what but that is it, it's a big case for not screwing around with what worked 70 years ago which was a, a balanced diet um you know i i'm not even i'm not even a huge proponent of the the carnivore diet i think generally speaking people go off very dogmatically about one end or the other um you know and the answer is usually somewhere right right in the middle as uh, sure. as uh, un unusual as that take would be in today's world of uh, of one side or the other, you have to pick a side, or yes. you will get killed by the 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 t the two teams. You brought up an interesting point, Josiah, about you know maybe like we the shift happened too fast, like like maybe ancestral isn't bad. So like let's just use some round numbers here, um, and this is just. Uh, guessing kind of some so like think about how much the human diet the human diet has just changed in the last 100 years it's up in the air like it we we, we really don't know how long like humans have been around it could be as little as ten thousand. that's very low or a million years it's pretty high so like so if you think about any of that between 10,000 years and a million years and our diet changing so drastically just in the last 100, like that's like, you know, no time at all for like our, our bodies to try to adjust to what, what were the, the standard traditional American diet. No, you're, you're, you're right. Like, so as a, as a Christian, if you look at, if you look at the biblical record, which is, which is what I do, you've got people were eating grains they were drinking beer and wine and they were eating meat and that was normal. Yeah. And then, like you said, in the last hundred years or whatever, you know, we've come up with all these miracle things, you know, we've got Crisco and, and high fructose corn syrup and all this, all this other stuff. And we have seen a radical shift in those things. Um, and the hard part is trying to figure out what's, what's good and what's bad because we've at the same time that all these things are happening, we've also had, lifespans go up we've had we've had good changes too so figuring out which of those is a good thing and which of those is a bad thing i think is going to be a little hard to do i i i'm going to go on record and say that e eating crisco is probably a terrible thing um <laughs> you mean an engine lubricant isn't good for you <laughs> you know and i would my mountain dew addiction probably not probably not a great thing either um is it at least at least it's diet right no no is it organic I, I, mountain I dew no, I won't drink. I won't drink diet things. If I'm gonna drink, if I'm gonna drink the bad stuff, I might as well really just drink just, the real you know, sugar. In for a penny, in for a pound. 
Sure. Um, but we we don't know. But I mean, we can start making some of these cases. You know, it, all we've seen these negative effects. So now I, it would behoove us if we're if we're really being honest and genuine about about seeing these problems is to say, okay, wh- what's causing the good things, and what's causing the bad things? We have a greater understanding of so many of these things. Why why aren't we also looking to figure out the bad things too? You know, again, the fertility. Uh, fertility is probably the big concerning one. I'd like to have. Uh, I like to have grandkids, um, you know, and, and 20, 2050 is about, about the time that some kids would still be popping out kids. So I, I'd like to have grandkids. It's the 5G. Is it? <laughs> it? Honestly, I don't know. It could be. We can't say for sure it's not. And I'm just going to leave it there. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, <clears throat> I was a frequent flyer um, before the pandemic. And I mean, millions and millions of miles um on delta and american airlines so uh very much thought about that maybe more than other folks because i'm going through airport security at least two or three times a week i'm flying an airplane where you know there's more of the radiation coming from the sun from space is is hitting you because there's not as much you know of the atmosphere above you um you know, lots of things that I thought about and then, you know, carrying a cell phone in your pocket, <clears throat> it concerns me for sure. You know, some of that electromagnetic um, pollution. Now, some people think, feel like that's not going to be a big deal. Um, again, I think that sometimes we, we kind of obviate the effects of these very, very small things that ultimately become big things. The other thing, you know, Josiah talking about, you know, uh, the biblical record and talking about uh, grain and beer and all those kind of things. The thing about most of those things is that they, that they were not as abundant as they are now. Like when you have to go out and scythe your wheat to make bread, you know, you're not making, uh, you're not eating it at every meal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For sure. Um, no, the, the other good example actually is, um, is tobacco. Um, it, 100, 150 years ago, everybody everybody would have said that they were a smoker. Um, but the difference was was that maybe you had a cigarette a day. You didn't have as many because you couldn't. You we didn't grow tobacco as fast. It was laborious to get it, and then to roll it and all those things. So no, you're you're absolutely right when it comes to those things. Grain wasn't something. It was it was a precious commodity. Um, so we you know they sure weren't throwing high fructose corn syrup and everything. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't something that was easy to get. So you're absolutely right about that. We, we've made it so easy or sugar, sugar is another great example. They had, you know, sugary things. Um, but they didn't throw it in everything. It was hard to get. So, um, one thing, uh, I, I thought of today while thinking about this topic is, uh, obviously we, we already talked about the, the two extremes, uh, you know, the, the cow haters, or I guess the cow lovers that, you know, they, they want them all protected, um, or not eaten or whatever. And then the, you know, the ultra carnivore diet people who think vegans uh, should be thrown in a wood chipper because they're so stupid or something. Um, by the way, that's, I'm not in that camp. Like that's, that's, but what, one thing that, that is kind of concerning, it kind of seems like, of the two groups, one of them is trying to take away the other's food source. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot of tolerance in, in um, I think our little corner of Twitter, like be vegan, be vegetarian, do whatever, like your, your, your diets, your thing, whatever, don't care. Um, why are you trying to, it, it seems like maybe I'm wrong. There's maybe a weird perspective that it seems like, no, you don't get to eat meat. We want you to eat beyond burgers. Like you will eat our processed uh, garbage um, and you're going to like it. You know what? I'd like it better if you didn't like it. So, uh, you know, I, I want to feast on your tears. Kind of like, does it, does it feel like that to anybody else? Kind of like, um, kind of like they're taking our guns. No one's trying to take your guns. Well, why are you acting like you're going to take our guns? Like that kind of attitude. Like towards food, not guns. Online, maybe. I, I, I've never had a conversation. And admittedly, I mean, I, this is anecdotal, but I've never actually had a run-in with somebody in real life 
that was advocating for those things. And I, this is coming from somebody, I, I do make fun of vegans in real life. I have a couple coworkers that are, that are vegetarian um, and one that's vegan. And I did, I, you know, I joke with them, not, not in any serious way, but I do joke about those things. Um, you know, but uh, by and large, I, I think on the internet, you end up finding the, the militant and rabid crazy people more than you ever do in real life. Now, I, given that long story um, farms, he may have run into some of these people, but, but I've never have. So I, I don't, sure. I think it's probably just something that you see on the internet because they, they're not face to face and everybody's, everybody's brave on the internet. That's true. Yeah. Uh, long story. Have you ever been uh, attacked at a farmer's market that you were at? Um, no, I, I had one interaction with a guy a couple weeks ago that said, oh, I'm vegetarian. Uh, he goes, what do you saw? I said, meat. He goes, I'm vegetarian. I'm like, all right, have a great day. I mean, uh, that wasn't too bad. I mean, online I've had more interactions, but I, I think the other thing is there's a couple of, there's a couple of really good follows, um, that, that I would recommend like on Twitter and stuff. Um, there's a one guy, I'm not sure if I'm gonna say his name right, but Frank Mittliner or Liner, Loner, I'm not sure how he says it. He's a professor at UC Davis. Um, handle is at GHG Guru. Um, and uh, he kind of helps to at least he's a guy that I like uh, keeping up with. Helps to um, kind of clear some of the stuff. You know, there, there's some arguments to be made that, you know, cows produce greenhouse gas. And, and that may be true. But um, he kind of helps to, to clear clear the air there and, and um and there, there's several other people, Belinda Fetke, I think is her name. And then there's, I can't, can't find the other guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but there's a couple that I follow. And one of, um, yeah, anyway, really good information um, about Eat Lancet and some of the people involved in Eat Lancet and why they, why they do have this, what appears to be, like you said, an agenda to say that, hey, meat's not an appropriate thing to, um, to consume. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I think it's very concerning because, you know, I think, you know, like Josiah was saying, I think I've been saying as well, it's just like, are we going to, are we willing to experiment on ourselves about everything all at once in the matter of a generation and a half, two generations? Is that really a sane thing to do as a species? I mean, if we're worried about, we're worried about, um, you know, collapse because of climate change, um, but we're not taking care of our own bodies. What does that say about the sustainability of the species, you know? Well, and I mean, to your to your point about experimentation, when uh, you know, in a in a science experiment, not not that I'm a science guy by any stretch of the imagination, but in in a science experiment, you know, you have to have a control group, and then you can't you you want to control as many conditions as possible, right? So, like, if you throw all these things at us, I was saying earlier, you, you'll never know what's good and what's not, um, and that's unfortunate because we've made good strides in in areas. Um, so it is unfortunate that that we don't really know, and so the 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 reflex from someone like me, you know, reflexive action, um, especially for my kids, you know, when I see these things in the news or whatnot, is to kind of knee jerk, pull away from a lot of these things. Um, and ultimately, I don't I mean, I don't think it's going to end up with a negative effect on my kids. But, um, you know, it, it will be a, a, a pulling back into some of these more traditional things where again, they won't be experiencing the negatives, but they may also be missing out on these positives that could, could happen from some of these advancements. So it's, it's unfortunate that we haven't paced ourselves, thought about these things as we, as we go crazy, you know, towards the future. What do you think about <laughs> So the alternative, uh, just uh, thinking about Chris's, comment there about um the great reset you'll eat bugs and you'll be happy right yeah <laughs> which is interesting too because that's still that's still an animal container at least insect i don't know if they fall into the category animal but um yeah, i mean talking about control groups right so these experiments have already been done there's already hey, been can you try turning off your camera maybe that'll um, smooth out your waves. audio a little i mean bit. so yep yep is that better is that uh, better? Go, yep, go ahead. Okay. So, yeah, talking about control groups, I mean, there's already been uh, studies done. There's already been control groups. When you talk about 
uh, radio waves of cell phones. I mean, cell phone manufacturers tell you how far you're supposed to hold the phone from your ear or from your <laughs> brain, true. I should say. Uh, uh, so all these things, we kind of already, we kind of already know bad things that, that things like having your entire diet be composed of soy and corn does. We know what radio waves going through your head over a long period of time does. We know what microwaves do to your body. We know what not eating any animal proteins does to your body. So, and maybe, maybe, you know, it is just all a crazy conspiracy theory, but, you know, I just wonder why people like the WEF and the Bilderbergers and everything like that pushing this kind of stuff but at the same time, showing up to their events and these private jets and not electric vehicles and having steak dinners and things like that. So, anyway, crazy. Maybe oh, I, it really uh, is a conspiracy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We could, um, man. I don't. Know. It just seems. It just seems easier to to just you know to eat the meat. Like if you're trying to try to save the planet there are there are ways to that do it sustainably we again we run in circles um that people like show us pictures at least once a week uh what they're doing how they're doing it that it's you know if it's an ethics thing that people are hung up on and like it'll never get widely adopted like not in our lifetime you're right but um you know the we just got to keep moving those those pieces forward and working on it. So I guess, I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, even, even in the parts of India where they, they practice, um, you know, traditional vegetarian diets, they, they use a lot of paneer and ghee and things like that. And they have integrated agriculture because the cows are still part of the agriculture. Um, so even, even in that system, um, which does have some degree of, you know, history to it but again using at least milk um, milk products honey and other things um, still has integrated agriculture I think what what we're seeing right now is that the yields on conventional agriculture are starting to collapse at least in the areas where it's been farmed intensively for for you know a couple generations and you're seeing lots of people feel forced to make a change because they can no longer sustain their farms and um, and going to a lot of them are going to more of a you know a no-till cover cropping integrated agriculture there's lots of lots of people making that type of switch um it may be faster than we think it may be and you know certainly it seems like with the fertilizer shortage this year there's there's a push you know maybe uh uh towards in, in that direction but uh, i mean it might might go faster than we think that's true i put in i put in the in the, our in our chat here, a couple of the people that I follow that are pretty strong voices on some of the some of the stuff here. Um, uh, there's an, an, an Indian scholar as well that that uh, is working to push for more liberal um, approaches in, in India to diet because you know as as you as Western um, processed foods go into that market and replace traditional calories um that that creates um creates a, a another switch where they're going for maybe traditional traditional stuff to a modern version that looks or tastes the same maybe um and and they're having trouble um and lots of lots of diabetes and lots of developmental issues and things um and uh yeah so there, it's just it's just really I think it's important to stay up on this stuff because you know if, if people do want to take those ancestral foods away or criticize the lifestyle of someone like like uh, like myself or Josiah is raising their own food um, and some of that being animal sourced then we, we need to be at least aware of what these people are doing those are a few people I follow that I think are worth taking a look at. There's some more. You'd probably be able to follow the chain and find them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The, the 
similar similar follows. Uh, for those on the audio, there's uh, a couple of names uh, towards the end here that I put up on the bottom bottom screen. I guess I can try to link them in the in the notes because um, I'm not going to say them out loud. It would be boring as hell. Uh, so, what do you guys want to wrap up on? Is there what what uh, what what did you want to have said that you wasn't said yet? Well, I'll go if no one else will. I'll just say that um, if you want to eat locally and have integrated agriculture, animals are going to be a part of that. And, um, you know, it, it, I think if you do these things in a humane way uh, and you're, you're thoughtful about it and you're, conscien you're conscious of what the sacrifice you're asking of that animal, then that's um, a, a higher morality than screaming at someone for their food choices. My point of view. Okay. Yeah, and, I mean, just piggybacking on the end of that, you know, we've we've talked about it a bunch of times, but again, like being dogmatic about something generally doesn't work. Um, you know, especially screaming at somebody. Um, but you, you know, you can you can find a middle ground, and um, there's ways to do this that work. So, yeah, just got to find a way that works for you. That your your level of comfort. Uh, I actually have a, a cousin and her husband who actually went vegetarian, I think vegan actually, because they were so, they were so disgusted with how animals had been treated that I think now they're just getting into uh, eating animal products again, finding local sources after doing it for a couple of years. Um, I should ask her more about that, like how that's been going, but I just, I just remembered that. Um, that they're like, they're they're now just getting more comfortable with proper treatment of animals. Like it, I mean, when you see like horror footage, essentially of like how like commercial animals are raised, like yeah, that's pretty gross. I probably wouldn't eat it either, except that I kind of like it. So <laughs> I like the taste. I don't like the treatment, obviously, but uh, do better. <laughs> Anything you want to wrap up on, Guy? Um, I'll turn my camera off here a minute. All right. I don't know. I guess, I guess my last, just some of my last thoughts. I mean, going back to that whole original tweet that you guys kind of brought up, um, I noticed that a lot of, a lot of the vegans that we're trying to have discussions with wouldn't really, I don't know, they, they wouldn't say anything against indigenous people eating meat. And I, I just, I found that interesting because it, to me, that said there was either an element of racism or at the very least paternalism there. Um, you know, maybe viewing them as a less evolved life form or, or, or something. But, um, you know, the bottom line is, I think that, you know, I can only speak from our, our experience here in Southeast Alaska. Um, there's a, there's a significant lack of vitamin D, but somehow magically salmon, which is the most prolific meat source is packed with it. Sure. Um, and I would say there's something to say for, for that. And there's something to be said for the people who live in the Arctic circle who, who, managed to thrive on eating reindeer and caribou and narwhal and uh you know other other meat sources like that so yeah i do think that i think veganism is is privileged and um but at the same time i think that that if we can all just have have conversations if we can all talk about where we're where our foundation is coming from that that's the place we all need to start because you really can't have a conversation if you're arguing uh, just kind of, if you're arguing like, like global currency is just floating in the air and not tied down to anything. So I guess that's all I got to say. Sure. Anybody got anything else? Otherwise, uh, we wrap up here. Got nothing. Cool. Well, uh, 
long story, you want to tell people where they can uh, they can find you and follow you? Sure. We're, we're on Facebook, Long Story Farms, and on Twitter, Long Story Farms. Um, my wife does some stuff on Instagram, if you can find her. Not sure the handle. I think it's at Long Story Farms as well. But uh, that's our social media presence. We don't have a website yet. Working on that hopefully soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, and we're at the Newberry and Whitmire Farmers Markets here in South Carolina, if anybody's in that area. Go ahead, Josiah. Uh, Josiah Young, I'm on Twitter uh, as uh, Inventive15, and that's that's all I got for social media. Guy? Uh, I think my Twitter is at RealCaloJones, C-A-L-O-J-O-N-E-S. Uh, yeah, you can follow me if you want, but I don't really say anything worthwhile, so... I doubt that we we get into it pretty good. At least today we did. It was it was damn funny. We had we had a damn funny conversation. But uh, and I am Matt Rozier of a Farm Hop Life. You can check me out anywhere and everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that all that fun crap. So I appreciate everyone watching and listening. And next week we're going to be talking about mindsets that need to die. I'm excited for this one. It'll be fun. So catch you oh, next wow. week. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs>